This lecture is brought to you by Buford Road Baptist Church. The speaker today is Pastor David Kogel. All right, we're back in John, Gospel of John, chapter 18. To me, it's been very interesting to follow Jesus before his arrest and crucifixion because we got to really see all the things that he had to tell his disciples. And, you know, I also find it very interesting, and we will continue to do that, is cross-reference the prophecies. You know, these people in that day, they thought that they were just carrying out what they wanted to do. But isn't it interesting that it, these things were prophesied so many years ago in the Old Testament? And we will, of course, continue to go back and look at some of those as well. John chapter 18, we're picking up verse number 20 today. We have already seen that they came and arrested Jesus in the garden. We had the altercation there with the Peter and cutting off Malchus's ear. And we also saw where they took him away to Annas first. And, of course, Annas was, was not the high priest at the time. Um, but from Annas, they wanted him to really hear what was going on and get some of his feedback. Because things that Annas said, the, they listened to him. And so... Didn't stay long there. They sent him to Caiaphas. And Caiaphas, of course, began to question him, began to talk about him. And then we saw the first, uh, the first time that Simon Peter denied Christ. In verse number 16, we saw that 16 and 17 and, uh, and 18 and so forth. So we'll discuss the other two times as well. Now, what did, what did the high priest ask Jesus? Verse 19, he asked Jesus and of his disciples and his doctrine. He just simply wanted to know, what are you preaching? What are you teaching? And what about your disciples? Who, who are they? How many of them you got? So it was, it was general questions to find out a little bit more about Jesus. Now, Jesus was going to answer him in a way that certainly he didn't like it. They didn't like the way he answered. But verse 20, Jesus answered him and said, I spake openly to the world. I ever taught in the synagogue and in the temple, whether the Jews always, where the Jews always resort, and in secret have I said nothing. Why askest thou me? Ask them which heard me what I have said unto them. And behold, they know what I've said. So Christ said, I, I didn't do anything in secret. I didn't call secret meetings about my ministry. He said, I went to the synagogue. Openly, I spoke. He said, everyone heard what I said. So he appeals to the fact that he taught his doctrine openly so that people could understand it and hear it. And so... uh why ask Annas instead of, instead to produce a witness? You see, he was going to have to come up with some of these witnesses. 
Well, I spoke openly. Go get one of those people that, that heard me and get them to tell you some things. So what was that doing? That was actually putting it, putting it in his lap because if he couldn't produce an, a, a witness about what he had said, then that would make the trial illegal to begin with. So we get down to verse 22. And when he had thus spoken, one of the officers which stood by struck Jesus with the palm of his hand, saying, Answerest thou the high priest so? And Jesus answered him, If I have spoken evil, bear witness of the evil. But if well, why smitest thou me? Now Annas had sent him bound unto Caiaphas, the high priest. So one of the officers hit Christ in order to try to make him answer differently. And again, Christ would appeal to them to say, hey, you need to produce a witness here. If I've done evil, then, then, then bring a witness forth that says I've done evil. So, of course, they couldn't do that. And the behavior of the officer and the arrest itself, they were all wrong. They were definitely wrong. And so here's Annas. He could not answer the Lord. And so what does he do? Back to Caiaphas. He sends, sends the Lord. Verse 25, And Simon Peter stood, and here's his other denial, warmed himself. They said therefore unto him, Art not thou also one of his disciples? And he denied it and said, I am not. One of the servants of the high priest, being his kinsman, whose ear Peter cut off, saith, Doth not, Did not I see thee in the garden with him? And Peter then denied again, and immediately the cock crew. So prior to describing the trial before Caiaphas, John goes back and kind of puts in this denial that Peter did here. And it's the last two denials of the Lord that Peter did. So the crowd around the fire, they ask Peter if he's the one. You're one of his disciples, aren't you? And of course, uh, the relative, that kinsman there, means it was a relative of Malchus, the one he cut the ear off. He, he said, yeah, I saw you in the garden. You were definitely with Jesus. And again, he denies the Lord. And of course, the, immediately the cock crew. It refers to here the third and fourth watches into which the night was divided that this has taken place. You know, and I, I, I begin to study and think about the denial of Peter and we can be really hard on Peter because, you know, it wasn't very long ago Peter stood and said, Lord, I love you. Lord, I, I'll die with you. I'll go with you anywhere, do anything. I, I mean, I'm, you're not going to get rid of me, Lord. And when I think about his words that he said to the Lord and how the Lord looked at him and loved him and yet said, Peter, no, you, you're going to deny me three times. You're going to deny me. I wonder how many times we as people, Christians even, will say how much we love the Lord and talk how much we, we just think so much of Jesus and what He has done for us on Calvary and tell Him how much we love Him. We sing songs to Him. We give praises to the Lord. And yet, do we not sometimes 
deny the Lord when we go out into the world? Maybe someone asks, hey, aren't you, aren't you a Christian? And we don't open up our mouth or we don't say anything or we're silent about it or even we say, change the subject. I mean, we're almost along those same lines. So we have to be careful that we don't deny the Lord as well. But yes, I'm a child of God. Yes, I'm a Christian. Yes, I'm born again. And so there, there are times when we probably fall in a category sort of like Peter there. So, you know, let's, let's, let's try to be careful about that. Let's, let's do all we can to always say, yes, I am a child of God. I'm not, I'm not ashamed of that. But it certainly happened here to Peter. No doubt Peter was scared to death. No doubt Peter was thinking, man, they're going to they arrest me and kill me right here too. Yeah, he, he, was, he was definitely upset in those times so he made that denial. Verse 28, Then led they Jesus from Caiaphas into the hall of judgment, and it was early. And they themselves went not into the judgment hall. That's meaning the Jews. They, didn't, they didn't, wouldn't go in there. Why? Least they be defiled, that they might not, or that they might eat the Passover. You remember, we're, they've been talking about the Passover is right here. It's at hand. So the trial before Caiaphas, we don't have the details. Remember, I told you the other Sunday, John's account doesn't give us the details of everything that was said or done. Matthew, Mark, these other accounts do. Luke. They have good good accounts and they we need to go back and read all of those and I know you probably have. So uh, <clears throat> we're knowing that even though he's not bringing out all the details, where does he end up? He's in the hall of judgment now. And they they took him to the governor's place of residence. That's that that hall of judgment. And the Jews certainly were not going to enter uh, into the Gentile quarters there. They were more interested in their ceremonial purity to get ready for the Passover than they were justice about Jesus. Verse 29, Pilate then went out unto them and said, What accusation bring ye against this man? And they answered and said unto him, If he were not a malefactor, we would not have delivered him up unto thee. So Pilate asked a good question. Pilate is an interesting man and in the conversation that he has with the Lord uh, here and things that he's going to say is very important. Pilate certainly wants to know what, what kind of charge have we got here? What's going on? Why, why are y'all doing this with this man? And so the Jews had not prepared a formal indictment here and they wanted Pilate to just accept the fact that, hey, we wouldn't bring him in here if he wasn't a male factor. And that word male factor there is talking about an evildoer. Well, we wouldn't have even brought him to you if he wasn't an evildoer. So don't ask us that. Just, just get some judgment here against. Just do something that needs to be done with him. And so we find that then, verse 31, Pilate said unto them, Take ye him and judge him according to your law. The Jews therefore said unto him, It is not lawful for us to put any man to death. 
So they're just going back and forth here between each other. Pilate is unaware that the Jews, at this point, that the Jews actually want to kill him. They're thinking they just want to pronounce some kind of judgment against him, uh, maybe punish him a little bit, do something that, that they just want to have done, but not death at this point. He's, he's not aware of that. But he says, you do it. You pass the sentence according to your law. Now, the problem is with it, with the Jews here is that they, they couldn't legally execute anyone. And so they wanted Pilate to do that. You know, if we can get Pilate to pass the death sentence, then it'll be done. It'll be taken care of. Verse 32, that the sayings of Jesus might be fulfilled, which he spake, signifying what death he should die. So here is one of the prophecies, one of the accounts that we have. The Jews used this method of stoning to execute criminals. That was their method of doing things. They, they couldn't crucify, but they could stone someone. Pilate could authorize the death, and he could authorize the crucifixion. So the Roman method of crucifixion had been predicted even by Christ himself. So if you're making notes or you want to turn in your Bible back to Matthew chapter 20, I want you to look at a couple of verses of what Jesus had said to them. Matthew 20, 17. Jesus going up to Jerusalem took the twelve disciples apart in the way and said unto them, Behold, we go up to Jerusalem. And then he said this, The Son of Man shall be betrayed unto the chief priest, unto the scribes, and they shall condemn him to death and shall deliver him to the Gentiles to mock, to scourge, to crucify him, and the third day he shall rise again. So Jesus himself said, this is going to take place down the road here. You better look out for it. You're going to, it's going to happen, and here we are. Here we are. It's definitely happening just as Jesus said. Verse 33, Then Pilate entered into the judgment hall again, and he called Jesus and said unto him, Art thou the king of the Jews? So he, you know, Pilate's thinking. He's trying to figure out what's he going to do with Jesus? What's he going to do with this man? He leaves. He thinks about it. He comes back out there, and he questions Jesus. And once again, there, there are other details that are going on in this trial. John doesn't describe all of those. But we find here that Pilate now questions Christ about this question here and this according to him being a king. And so it's funny that, kind of like a, not funny, but an irony that he would ask. It's because here he is looking at a man that's shackled, He's looking at a man here that's a helpless prisoner. And what does he ask him? Art thou the king of the Jews? He certainly doesn't look like a king standing there. He certainly doesn't fit that position at that particular time. And so Pilate asking, you know, are you a king of the Jews? Verse 34, Jesus answered him saying, thou... Uh, saying, Thou this thing of thyself, 
or did others tell it of thee? Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? Thine own nation and the chief priests had delivered thee unto me. What hast thou done? So Christ wants to know, Pilate, are you asking this question for yourself? Do you want to know for yourself? Are you asking it for these Jews here? The Jews were looking for a political king. And of course, Jesus didn't come to be a political king. He was not that, that type of king at that moment. But Pilate dismissed any prior conversation that he had had with the Jews, and he simply wanted to know this question, what hast thou done? Why are you before me? Why do they want you, me to pronounce a death sentence on you? What have you done to, to deserve such a thing? So he's, he's really thinking in his head. He's really wanting to come up with the right, right thing here. Verse 36, Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then would my servants fight that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now is my kingdom not from thence. So Christ explains to him the nature of his kingdom. He has no political motives. He's not trying to take over someone's position that is on the earth at that particular time. He's not doing any of that. His kingdom is a spiritual one. And he begins to explain, I'm not taking it over by military force. You know, back in the garden, it could have gotten started. Peter drew the sword, cut the ear off. And what did Jesus say? Yeah, let's get it on here. <laughs> Jesus said, put your sword away reached down, picked his ear up, and healed it back onto him. He was showing them, hey, I'm not here to try military force. Thing. We're not doing a takeover here. But we're going to let things go as they're supposed to go. And so he says, "This is, I'm not taking this. This is not a kingdom that I'm trying to take over right here. So verse 37, Pilate therefore said unto him, Art thou a king then? And Jesus answered, <clears throat> Thou sayest that I am a king. And to this end was I born, and for this cause came I into the world, that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone that is of the truth heareth my voice. So Pilate wants to know if Christ is really a king. He's still confused about the concept of a king and a kingdom. And Pilate assumes Christ to be a political king. That's why he said, to this end. The purpose for which Christ was born, he, it was a royal inheritance as king of kings. And it was to bring truth to mankind. And that's what Christ will do. Those who are born again would hear the truth of his voice. All the way back in chapter 10, verse 4, we read that. Verse 38, Pilate said unto him, What is truth? Boy, what a question. What is truth? And when he had said this, he went out again unto the Jews and said unto them, I find in him no fault at all. So, still confused about the spiritual purpose of Christ, Pilate asked this important question, What is truth? You know the amazing thing about it? The truth was standing right there in front of him. 
Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Right there in front of him, he couldn't see it. Why? He's spiritually blind, like a lot of people in the world today. They can't see what's going on in the world and how it's progressing to the point that Jesus is soon returning. They can't see the things that are happening that have been spoken of already in the Bible. They're spiritually blind. They don't see those things. <coughs> and that's the same thing here that's going on with Pilate. Satisfied that Christ is not a political threat to the Roman. He's finally come to this, this realization. Okay, he's not here to take over a throne on earth right now. I'm, I'm satisfied with that. So what does he do? He says, you're innocent. He declares Christ innocent. Verse 39, But ye have a custom that I should release unto you one of one at the Passover. Will ye therefore that I release unto you the king of the Jews? You notice how he's recognizing that now? He doesn't call him a man. He calls him the king of the Jews. Then cried they all again, saying, Not this man, but Barabbas. Who was a Barabbas? He was a thief and a robber. And that's who they wanted. There was no, no uh, deciding what kind of man Barabbas was. They already knew he was a thief. But they didn't know what Jesus was. But they had made a decision on him. So Pilate, although he's declaring the innocence of Christ here, and he was, he was doing that mostly because he was fearing the Jews and what they were going to do. He was fearing the leaders of the Jewish. So here he brings out the customary thing that they were supposed to do, release a prisoner at the Passover. And Pilate attempted to place the responsibility of Christ's deity in the hands of the Jews. I'm going to put him in your hands. You're all going to have to deal with it. And of course, it must be remembered that each man personally you and me, we have a responsibility to have our relationship with Christ as it should be. Our actions to Christ. You know, we could stand back and say, well, Pilate, you know, you, you did a pretty good job and you're, all, you're okay, you're off the hook. I mean, you're finding Jesus innocent, you're giving him back to the Jews. I mean, you, you're a pretty good fellow. No. He was responsible for his actions just like they would be responsible for theirs. And we all are responsible for our own actions. So we find here that Pilate, since he was a popular person, instead the crowd asked for a robber. And I want to show you a scripture also in Matthew 27 and verse number 19. When he was set down on the judgment seat, his wife sent unto him, talking about Pilate, saying, Have thou nothing to do with this just man? For I have suffered many things this day in a dream because of him. Pilate's wife had warned him, Hey, I, I, don't, I'm, I don't feel good about what you're doing here. I mean, you're dealing here with this man Jesus, and, and, and you need to be careful what you do. So all that's going over in his mind as well. Verse 20 of that Matthew 27, 
But the chief priests and elders persuaded the multitude that they should ask Barabbas to destroy Jesus. The governor answered and said unto them, Whether of twain will ye that I'll release unto you? And they said, Barabbas. We want Barabbas. So we're at this point at the end of chapter 18, and we could pick it up at chapter 19 as we continue here into what they're doing to Jesus. So verse 1 says, Then Pilate therefore took Jesus and scourged him. And I know we've we've talked about this, the pastor's preached on it. We have many descriptions and ideas in our mind as we see even in the movie and so forth. But that word scourged is very important. It's not a scolding by no means. But Pilate orders Jesus to be scourged. And he's hoping this would just satisfy the Jews here. And, of course, it wasn't going to do that. The scourging, of course, is that that whip that was made of those thongs or those sharp pieces of metal and bone. And the prisoner was beaten across the back. And, of course, we know that it would tear the flesh and expose the organs. And also we need to know that many times prisoners would not even survive after the scourging. The scourging, they never would make it even to the cross to be crucified. The harshness of the scourging, they would die in that process. And I can understand that as we think about how that happens and what's going on in that. But would Jesus die the scourging? No. Because it was prophesied he would be on the cross. He did. Jesus had to finish the task that his father sent him to do. So after the scourging here taking place, the soldiers keep in mind, what are they calling him? The king of the Jews. So they are mocking him. Soldiers plaited a crown of thorns and put it on his head, and they put on him a purple robe and said, Hail, king of the Jews, and they smote him with their hands. So the soldiers now mock, they torture Christ, they force that crown down upon his head, causing the blood to flow down his face, and then they hit him, and then they dress him as a king. So all of this is mocking this title of king of the Jews. Verse 4, Pilate therefore went forth and said unto them, Behold, I bring him forth to you that you may know that I find no fault in him. Then came Jesus forth wearing the crown of thorns, the purple robe, and Pilate said unto them, Behold the man. So now we have Pilate saying, Okay, I've scourged him. He survived the scourging. We'll do the crown of thorns. We'll put the robe. And now... Let's scoot him back out here to the crowd and hopefully this will be the end of it. There he is. I've done, I've done a, lot of, a lot to this man already. And so here he is. You behold him. You take a look at it. And of course, we find that what, is, what does he say? You know, Pilate, as he presents Christ in this purple robe and in his crown and this reed, the robe drenched with blood and the wounds gapping open from the scourging. Here Pilate says, Behold the man. 
So Pilate clearly states that at this point, he's no king. Here's the man. He goes back to using the word the man. And he is simply a man to him. And it's interesting to note that Pilate declares Christ innocent and yet subjects him to a terrible beating. Why, why did he beat him if he felt, thought he was innocent? You see, you can see the, the problem that he has with the, with the Jews and how he needs to say to them the right words and so forth and so on. Of course, they, they don't let up on him. They, they have something for everything that he has to say. And we see here in verse number 6, when the chief priests therefore and the officers saw him, they cried out. What did they cry out? Okay, you've done enough. That's good. No. They cry out, crucify him, crucify him. And Pilate saith unto them, take ye him and crucify him, for I find no fault in him. That's the very words that they've been waiting to hear. Once Pilate could say, crucify him, then it was a done deal. They knew it could take place. So rather than being appeased, the angry crowd says crucify. So Pilate, of course, frustrated at this point, tells him, okay, go on and do it. And so they'll have to. But it's so interesting to see him continue that thought in his own mind. I find no fault in him. I don't find any fault in that. But yeah, you go ahead and do what you want to do. So it's the third time, if you've been keeping track, it's the third time that Pilate has said that he's innocent. I find no fault in him. I find it so interesting, the number three in all of this. Peter denied the Lord three times. Pilate says three times, I find no fault in him. We're going to find there's three crosses. You know, it's, so, it's interesting to see those things in the Word of God as you go through there. Verse 7, the Jews answered him and said, We have a law, and by a law he ought to die, because he made himself the Son of God. So according to the Roman law, Christ was innocent. But the Jews say, hey, we're going to appeal this to our law. Christ had claimed to be God. By the Jewish law, he should die. So I guess what they're trying to tell Pilate is, hey, you may find no fault in him and, 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 and wonder why we're still going to crucify him. This is why. This is what we got. That he claimed to be the Son of God. And he was. Leviticus 24, 16, And he that blasphemeth the name of the Lord. This is what the law that they're referring to. He that blasphemed the name of the Lord, he shall surely be put to death, and all the congregation shall certainly stone him, as well as the stranger as he that is born in the land when he blasphemeth the name of the Lord shall be put to death. So they're saying that when Jesus said this, when he made this statement here, that he himself is the Son of God, that's blaspheme. That's why. We're going to crucify him. So they're holding on to that Old Testament Levitical law there. Verse 8, When Pilate therefore heard that saying, he was the more afraid, and went again into the judgment hall, and saith unto Jesus, Whence art thou? But Jesus gave him no answer. 
So, you know, we've got Jesus in the judgment hall, and we got Pilate going out, talking to the Jews, listening to them, going back, talking to Jesus, presenting Jesus, coming back. So it's just a back and forth conversation here. So when Pilate hears that they, that Christ claimed to be the Son of God, what does that do to Pilate? It makes him afraid. Makes him really scared. Those words of his wife start ringing in his ear again, which she said, you better be careful. I, I don't have a good, good uh, thoughts about what you're going to do here. So Pilate had been warned by his wife, and now he realizes, hey, you know what? I might be dealing with the Son of God. Little did he know, he definitely was. Pilate immediately attempts to discover the origin of Christ. Where did you come from? So an answer would be useless. Pilate, he was spiritually dead. He, he, that ain't, no matter what Christ, and that's why you find here, Jesus gave him no answer. It was, it was no need to give him an answer. He wasn't, he wasn't going to understand it. What could Jesus have said? I came from, the uh, Father sent me to the earth, from heaven. I came down to this earth to die for, for the world, the lost world. That, that, that kind of news, Pilate wouldn't have understood it. He wouldn't have grasped that. Verse 10, Then saith Pilate unto him, Speakest thou not unto me? Knowest thou, uh, knowest thou not that I have power to crucify thee, and I have power to release thee? Jesus answered, Thou couldst have no power at all against me, except it were given thee from above. Therefore, he that delivereth me into thee hath the greater sin. So he's fearful, Pilate's confused, and he attempts to hide by saying, You know what, Jesus, you need to answer me. We need to continue to talk here because I'm the one that has the authority to say crucify. I'm the one that has the authority to have you put to death or either to have you uh, go free. But he would have never been able to do that because of the Jews anyway. And of course, Jesus says, hey, the only authority you have is what's been given you by a higher source. I found it interesting here about the greater sin in verse number 11. Jesus answered, thou wouldst have no power at all against me, except it were given thee from above. For he that delivereth me unto thee hath the greater sin. So who delivered him, Jesus, unto Pilate? Caiaphas did. So at this particular point, he's pointing back to Caiaphas. Jesus is saying, this man, Caiaphas, who planted the whole entire plot to kill Christ, hath committed the greater sin. And what does that mean? He's going to be held more accountable to God. I certainly believe today there are us that will be held accountable for more things than other people will. Why? I think because along the lines of this, some of us have been given opportunities, talents, different situations that we could do some greater things for the Lord than others would be able to do because of their situation, their talents. So that would only make sense if the Lord has given me talents to do something and I don't use them for the Lord, and I could, then I think I'm going to be held accountable for that. He's going to look at me and say, 
Brother David, I gave you those abilities and those talents and those opportunities to do this, and you did nothing with them. So I'll be held accountable for that. The person standing beside me may have never had that opportunity. They didn't have the talent to do this or that, so they won't be held accountable. But certainly in this particular case, Caiaphas is going to be held more accountable for what he did there. Verse 12, And from thenceforth Pilate sought to release him, but the Jews cried out, saying, If thou let this man go, remember what I said, they always had an answer, I'll tell you. Thou art not Caesar's friend. Whosoever maketh himself a king speaketh against Caesar. So fearful in his heart, Pilate is still kind of trying one more time, and he's still thinking, if I can just release him. But the Jews said, no, you're not going to do that. You're You're not going to let him off. You're not going to say he's innocent. So they come back with this final argument. If you're Caesar's friend, then you're going to do what we want you to do. Because the Jews would turn around and contact Caesar and explain that Pilate released a king who threatened Roman authority, which he didn't do. Then Pilate would be guilty of treason. and His life would be over. So they pull this card out and they use it against him and Pilate has no choice now. He's certainly not going to do that, go against that. Verse 13, When Pilate therefore heard that saying, he brought Jesus forth and set him down in the judgment seat and a place that is called the pavement, but in the Hebrew, Gabbatha. And it was the preparation of the Passover about the sixth hour and he saith, unto the Jews, Behold your king. He's back to the words using the king now. So Pilate was ready to make his decision and he says, Behold your king. So it was apparent that Pilate hated the Jews and in scorn he gives them their king. Here here is a man that has been beaten. He's been scourged. He's miserable. He's bleeding. All these things. With Christ, you can imagine what he's looking like. And he's saying right here, Behold your king. Well, we'll have to stop here today. But what a, what a trial, what a false trial that Jesus is going through. And he knew he would go through all of that. And, uh, but he's soon going to be on the cross dying for you and for me. You listen to Pastor David Kogel. For more information, visit our website at BufordRoadBaptistChurch.com.